Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, before we do get started with today's AEW Dynamite Ups and Downs, I thought it was very important to just say a quick word about Triple H, Hunter Herself, the Paul Levesque, whatever you want to call him, who in the last 24 hours, or at least it was announced in the last 24 hours, that he has suffered some kind of cardiac event and he had to go through some kind of surgery, but it seems like he's okay. That sounds absolutely terrifying to me, and given that he is a man that inspired me as a kid to go to the gym, along with a bunch of other things, I just wanted to send out positive well wishes and genuinely, truly... I hope he's doing all right. So my name is Simon Miller. Welcome to What Culture Wrestling. And yes, it is the fallout show from AEW All Out, which some people are calling the best pay-per-view ever, which you're allowed to do. You always get the negative Nancy's going, oh, yum, yum. let people like things, damn it. If you're getting all excited and all warm and fuzzy in your tum-tum, you should drive that all the way to the happy bank because the happy bank is what life is all about. But what did happen on AEW Dynamite, we take the finger of power, we give the good bits up, we give the bad bits down, Let's go. As always, you just humble the ship out of me because there was yet more ups and down signs on AEW Dynamite. I don't even know what to say. One of them said, Simon, give Cincinnati up. As I've always told you, if you tell me to do things and I witness it, I will always obey you because you are my employer and I am your employee. That doesn't make any sense. The point is, I love you all. Thank you so much. You get it up. One of the best things about AEW right now, too, is that even though we're getting these crazy surprise new debutantes, you're just like, uh, I can't handle it. When you get back into the nitty gritty, we've still got some cool long ass storylines, which are genuinely intriguing and genuinely interesting. Hence why the first match on this episode of Dynamite was Dustin Rhodes versus Malachi Black. Malachi Black slowly turning into a skeleton or something. I thought it rocked. The narrative here has utterly sucked me in as well, especially now because Dustin Rhodes has been like, damn it, I need to try and get some revenge for my nightmare family. Was he able to? No. It tied into everything as well because of course Malachi Black hates Dustin Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes definitely helped Malachi Black. So as soon as the bell went ding, 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 they just started to kick the crap out of each other. And within around about two minutes, they were brawling on the outside and Malachi gave Dustin a suplex through the announce table. 
Oodalally. Black then got the advantage and I think was actually trying to rip Dustin's leg from his body. So that dude is truly flubbed up. <laughs> and then he went under the ring and he revealed that Cody Rhodes' boot was under there, the same boot that Malachi Black had stolen all those weeks ago. Now I admit, that is a really weird and strange thing to do because it means at some point in the day he was like snuck to the ring and he put the boot under there. But look at Malachi Black. I don't think he's a well-adjusted individual. It hit Rhodes' go button though, because he was like, damn it, I won't let you get away with this. So he busted out a Canadian destroyer for a really good near fall. But unfortunately, the turnbuckle had been exposed throughout all of this. Malachi Black pushed Dustin into it. He then hit him with the black mass. One, two, three. Another one bites the dust. I think Rhodes' mouth was bleeding after this as well, so I hope that he is okay or that I'm being worked. That's fine. It is professional wrestling. And now we do know when we get to the Arthur Ashe Stadium show in a few weeks, we're going to do Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes. And given all the effort and work we've put in, this just feels like a massive deal. All this was going on as well while people were just turning up. I absolutely love it. Couple of promos followed. We had the Lucha Brothers just saying how happy and proud they were after winning the AEW Tag Team titles. And honestly, they are just the best babyface team at the moment. And then we cut to Eddie Kingston, who looked directly into the camera and said, Miro, I didn't like the fact you kicked me in my dick. And we can all appreciate that because nobody likes being kicked in the dick. And if I read the tea leaves right, I think we may be about to do Miro versus Eddie round two at that Arthur Ashe Stadium show as well, which I like for two reasons. One, you can have Eddie Kingston win the title in his hometown, but also two, you don't get that many rematches in AEW. So when they do do it, it feels nice and fresh. Fresh is like my word of the day today. Be ready to hear a lot of it. CM Punk was then here and you know the deal. If he comes out and says, hello, my name is CM Punk, he gonna get up. I'm not over him yet. It's been seven years. He was just putting over everybody here. I mean, he talked about Suzuki, he talked about Ruby Soho, he talked about John Moxley, he talked about Aunt Linda, who was the lady that brought up Pine Pillman Jr. He could not have shot more love bullets out there into the universe, and it was tremendous to see. And then he turned to the crowd and he said, look, I beat Darby Allen. I never want to face him again because he's such a tough guy, so why don't you choose who is next? I was like, man, I'm having a really good time. Before any of us could do that, though, Taz jumped up from commentary because he was taking the place of Excalibur this evening who was off getting married so massive congratulations to him and he was like punk couple of things one I don't like this new good version of you I think it sucks but also two would you stop mentioning people in team Taz I don't like it and admittedly it got a little bit weird after this because punk and Taz started shouting over the top of each other but I thought it was good because it felt real one of the weirdest things when it comes to wrestling promos is I will stand here and I said you and I are cutting an interview with each other and I will go I think you're the worst person ever and you will stand there and wait until I'm done before you'll respond. If I said that to you in the street, you'd punch me right in the face. The whole point of this is that CM Punk had been mentioning the likes of Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs on Twitter and social media, so Taz wasn't a fan of this. And also I have it on good authority that Taz also knows that CM Punk doesn't like the color orange. Hook and Powerhouse Hobbs eventually emerged, so there's your big tease, and Punk finished all of this off by looking at Taz and going, hey, here's a line for you. Beat me if you can, survive if I let you, which is what Taz used to say back in the day. So this basically does mean that we're going to get a CM Punk versus a Will Hobbs or a CM Punk versus Ricky Starks. And I think that is tremendous because now our storyline is CM Punk, the wily veteran, taking on the young guard. Can you imagine if I had predicted this before we knew about all the CM Punk stuff? You would have tried to rip out my spleen because you would have hated me so much. 
I like it. A backstage skit with Santana and Ortiz followed, and they felt like their feud with FTR had lit something in their tum-tums, so now they're putting the rest of the tag team division on notice. And I was like, good, yes, at some point Santana and Ortiz should become the tag team champions. Imagine they had said tum-tum as well. I mean, what kind of grown-ass man uses the term tum-tum? Ruby Soho was up next, and man, she just has the CM Punk effect because she looks so happy to be in AEW. It's just radiating off her entire body, and that comes out of the TV, and it makes me feel good for her. So she could have just stood there and gone, hello, my name is Ruby Soho, and I'm like, it's the best segment I've ever seen in my life. She is having an open challenge because she wants to prove that the Casino Battle Royal victory wasn't a fluke when Britt Baker walked up to her and I was like, man, I don't like the fact that you're here. You absolutely suck and you're going to lose later because you take it on my buddy, Jamie Hayer. Ruby shot back that maybe Britt should remind herself that she wouldn't even be in the business if it wasn't for her. And then Baker, man, she went real low. She went, Ruby, why don't you go back to catering? where you have spent the majority of your career. I mean, that is quite the shot. So this feud is already good, I totally believe it, and we have proper beef. Also, Britt Baker is doing so well as a bad guy, she is now able to elicit some booze. I'm just gonna give it a round of applause. My heart then sang, because it was Powerhouse Hobbs taking on Dante Martin, and again, bring back the word of the day, fresh. This just felt fresh. All these new guys coming up here in my face. I regret what I just said there. I didn't mean it the way it sounded. The point is, it's getting it up. Now, first and foremost, I hope Hobbs is okay, because it kind of looked like he got knocked a little bit silly towards the end of the match, but again, he's working me. More play to that guy. And they just kept things nice and simple here, because one of these individuals is massive. The other one is more of an agile kind of a dude, so he had strength versus speed. If you do it correctly, it will always work. This did indeed mean that Dante was going nuts for a while. I mean, he was like a fly. You just couldn't keep your eyes on him. But eventually, very sadly for him, he got caught by Hobbs, who began to chuck him around. I mean, at one point, he just took him and slammed him over and over again to the barricade. I didn't think that was particularly nice. Hook tried to help out his pal by one point by blocking a Dante Martin dive, but that guy just soared over the top of him and still hit the powerhouse. But I suppose he went for one of these too many because eventually Hobbs did catch him in midair. He gave him the power slam, one, two, three. And if you ask me, this is a win for powerhouse Hobbs to get him ready for CM Punk. See earlier. So all this was fire. I can't wait. And Dante Martin is great. And that will rhyme. So it must be true. I just really enjoy seeing the evolving of new stars in a company because you kind of get the anticipation. Oh, my gosh, where they're going to end up. And right now, nobody has any idea. It also makes this criticism that AEW isn't building new stars absolutely redonkulous. And I think AEW then read my mind because Dan Lambert was here and he was basically saying this. He's like, oh, Elite Wrestling, you so stupid bringing in all these small people. Where's the tough guys? Because I've got Ethan Page and I've got Scorpio Sky and they're looking for some real competition. So this guy is just so good and these three rock together and I have no idea who they are going to face off, but I am ready for it. Who knew that Dan Lambert was going to be one of the best things about AEW? Matt Hardy then promised to shave Orange Cassidy's head. Now look, Matt, I think you're absolutely brilliant. You're one of the best wrestlers of all time. But I don't understand why you made this out to be a huge negative. There's nothing wrong with people that have to shave their heads. It just means they enter the board brotherhood. So I really would appreciate it if next time you thought about this. Thankfully, Cassidy just brushed this off like whatever when he was told about the stipulation. So he's my new hero. And yeah, I guess we're going to do a hair versus hair match or something like it. And I'll always be rooting for the bald guy. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. MJF was then out in the ring. I mean, honestly, this guy. It proved instantly that the finish on Sunday did work because he was all like, look, I beat Chris Jericho three times and I beat him for a fourth time at AEW, but because a referee screwed me out of my victory, now I can't claim it on my record. And this is half true and half baloney, but that always works when you're meant to be a super duper bad guy. He then played some inside baseball by talking about cheap heat before he did engage in cheap heat by insulting Cincinnati. And he also went... Why don't some of you jump the guardrail so I can beat your ass? I don't know whether we should be encouraging this stuff. You just never know with some crazy wrestling fans. It all works though because it just makes MGF such a nimrod. And then if you can believe it, he followed in the shoes of one CM Punk when he started talking to Aunt Linda, who was at ringside, as well as one of Brian Pillman's daughters. But he was not as nice and he started to insult them. And honestly, he was laying it on thick here to the point me, a grown ass man, was sat on my couch going, I don't think he can say that. So you can't argue this didn't work. So this was absolutely not cool, meaning somebody was going to have to come down. And it stands to reason it was Brian Pillman Jr. Who at first told MJF his name doesn't stand for Maxwell Jacob Friedman. It stands for Maxwell Jerkoff Friedman. And that was so childish and that was so silly. I did a little bit of a laugh. I didn't realize how hardcore we were about to go though, because Maxwell's like, oh man, you want to throw barbs? Well, let's talk about your drug addicted mother. And while Brian Pillman tried to attack him, Wardlow then got in the way. And I think, although it was cut off before he did, that MJF was actually going to say the world would have been better if Brian Pillman Jr. had never made it to this earth or was aborted. And this was my face. I was like, holy crap, this has escalated from nowhere. So we are not in Toto anymore, Kansas. And this lit a flyer under Brian, as it would do. And he did try to attack, but he hadn't done his wrestling mats. He should have gone, MGF and Wardlow is two. I'm just one. That makes two on one. You're never going to win. My man Griff Garrison tried to run down to help, but that didn't work either. And isn't this a nice way to tie up in a neat little package? Now you can do that tag team match and you could probably spin it off into a couple of singles. And I never thought this was going to be the direction for their next feuds, but I like it because 
it's fresh up. Ruby Soho then made her in-ring Dynamite debut. She was taken on Jamie Hayter. And what did I tell you about both these guys? They have already become huge assets for the women's division and they're just going to get better and better up. We are still pushing the fact that Jamie Hayter is super strong so is going to use her strength. But of course, Ruby Soho has been around a while so she has a bunch of experience. So while Jamie Hayter was trying to be like, oh man, look at me. She grabbed her in a head scissors and threw her into the turnbuckle. Jamie powered out of this and smashed Ruby with a couple of lariats, but now we have a brand new move that's based on an old move, which is essentially just a kick out of nowhere. So as soon as Ruby saw the fact, wait a minute, if I swing my leg right now, I can probably twonk her right in the skull. She did. Jamie Hayter went down. Ruby Soho got the pin. Once again, she seemed so happy. I was happy. The crowd was happy. I just like being happy. So this was a really well-worked match. And after the fact, Britt Baker and Rebel were in the ring so fast, I actually started to laugh, which once again brought us to wrestling maths. Riho sadly had not done her mathematics, she hadn't run the numbers, because she ran down trying to make the save, but that's three on two, so they were going to need somebody else, they were going to need another human, or in this case an alien, because out came Chris Statlander to sort it out. The good guys then stood tall, and there is a six person tag team match right there. It's almost like AEW planned all of this out. Ricky Starks and Brian Cage then had a video back and forth. And of course, Brian Cage wants his revenge because every time he faces Ricky Starks, Team Taz screws him over. So I'm sure we'll get there eventually. I like both of these guys, but they should probably have one more match and then go in different directions. I cannot handle what's happening to the Dark Order, though. They were doing an interview here and Evil Uno was like, look, everyone calm down. We're going to be fine. When Alan Angel started mouthing off and I was like, well, I just got lied to. They're not fine at all. They're falling apart, the seams. What am I going to do? This is like Kano from Mortal Kombat. Just took his hand and went kapow and ripped my heart out and threw it on the floor. Just makes me so damn sad. So this did not look good, especially because they were about to take on the pinnacle or Sean Spears and FTR. And yeah, if you thought it was bad here, <laughs> you have no idea. John Silver kind of tagged himself in, which did not look like it was in the spirit of teamwork. And even when he did work his way back to his corner, he didn't seem very keen about tagging one of his guys in. But eventually Stu Grayson was in there and eventually Evil Una was in there. And for a few seconds, you're like, ah, it's OK. It's not bad news, Brown. Everything fine with Dark Order. Silver eventually got back in, but he wasn't able to make a tag this time because the pinnacle had taken all the Dark Order off the apron which meant eventually he got hit by an assisted C4 and he was pinned. And was anyone there to save him? No, they were not, because this whole thing is about to implode. Uno was super livid after this and he actually got into it with John Silver and I was like, no, no, no. And it took Colt Cabana and a couple of other guys to try and calm them all down. What are we gonna do? They're gonna need a leader. They're gonna need someone new. Hangman Adam Page, you're gonna have to come back to save the day. And now back in non-kayfabe world, I suppose. This is such a well-worked storyline. I am completely emotionally invested. And I suppose it is a bit like Marvel's Civil War. And that will always work. What the hell is gonna happen? Towards the end of this two, Anna Jay and Ty Conte walked out to be like, you absolute buffoons, what are you doing? And I just want to give another shout out to Ty Conte and her wonderful facial expressions. I mean, look at this right there on the screen. And I want to make it clear, this is a huge compliment. She is so damn entertaining, just what she's doing with her flipping skin. Kelly Blanchard then went potty. First off, he was like, look, Darby, I don't like you much. I think you're an absolute piece of crap. Therefore, I want you to have a match with Sean Spears soon. But also, Sting, you've been rocking around with Darby Allen, and we fought before. 
So maybe we should fight again. Now I don't know how I feel about this, but look, AEW has earned my trust. So if we do do something between Sting and Tully Blanchard, not only will it hit me right in my nostalgia gland, but I totally believe they'll be able to pull it off while keeping everybody safe. It really did take me by surprise though. I mean, where did that come from? The Varsity Blondes also addressed everything that happened earlier and we are gonna get Brian Pillman versus MGF in a couple of weeks, but before that, it's gonna be Max Caster versus Brian Pillman on Rampage because the acclaimed turned up here with Flowers being an absolute couple of butt munches and told them that's what's gonna go down. We then just had the most wonderful dream segment come to life. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, this is like the kind of stuff you would read on Reddit but it's real. How is it real? Up. And it began with the Elite coming out and I just need to point out how ridiculous the Young Bucks looked. I mean, Matt Jackson especially, I was laughing my ass off. He looked like some kind of over-the-top painter. But the point of this was Don Callis to say, look, everything is fine with the group. Kenny Omega is the best world champion ever. He was number one in the PWI 500. We're the greatest. Everybody love us. Where's our praise? Adam Cole wasn't with them so he could get his big entrance. And my word, the noise that he received when he did his whole Adam Cole Bay Bay, it was ludicrous. And then, just in case you were wondering, was he a good guy or was he a bad guy? He an absolute jackass. Because as soon as he got the microphone, he turned to Tony Schiavone and he said, look, you massive nerd. That's what he said. He called him a massive nerd. If you even look at Britt Baker, my fiance, the wrong way, I will beat the shit out of you. I was like, man, this is so smart. Of course people are going to cheer Adam Cole. And how do we get them to boo him? Insult Tony Schiavone. There was a Tony Schiavone chant. Smart. Cole then proceeded to put over the elite and that he will make his in-ring debut next week. So that was very exciting. Before Kenny Omega started to rant and rave and he's so damn good at it and told us how much he hates interruptions. So of course, who interrupted right there, right then? It was Brian Danielson. But I had to check my calendar to ensure it wasn't Christmas because Kenny Omega told the rest of the elite to get out of the ring so he could go face to face with Brian. So we are basically already teasing that at some point in the near future, we're gonna do Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. And I'm sorry, my brain hasn't caught up to that yet because it doesn't seem like a real thing I should be able to get. It also hit my nerd switch because we did a video ages ago about Daniel Bryan joining AEW and I said we should go straight into this match so I was just doing backflips. And the best thing already about Brian being in All Elite Wrestling is when he got on the mic, he was a top guy. He was like, I'll kick your ass, I'll kick your guys, I'm the best wrestler ever. If you come into my yard, I will smack you down. Oh my gosh, it's just so damn believable. Davidson also told Kenny that he's not on his level and Omega couldn't handle that at all. So he took a shot and you know what Brian Danielson did? He reversed it into the bell lock. But once again, he fell foul to wrestling maths because all the elite got in there and they started to beat him up. But even then, he wouldn't release it for a little bit because again, top, top guy. Thankfully though, he's not a moronic baby face and he does have friends. So out came the Jurassic Express, out came Frankie Kazarian, out came Christian Cage and they wiped out the elite. But I was just doing a dance. I just wanted to dance. I was like, this is great. Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega is a match I've needed in my life for around about 10 years. And finally, finally, we have arrived. And anyway, Brian Danielson hitting the running knee onto Brandon Cutler and shout out to that guy for always understanding his role and smashing it every single week. And this, it kind of didn't feel real. And I don't even know what that means. And then our main event was John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki. If you went into AEW, that is completely cool, but I'll level with you. 
All of this is just making me feel like a kid again. Because it is just Super Smash Brothers for life. And yes, there are a couple of foibles here. Why AEW cut Suzuki's music off before the best bit, I do not know. And sure, this main event could have gone a little bit longer. But just take a second and take a step back and remind yourself that on American mainstream wrestling, we just saw John Boxley versus New Japan's Suzuki. Sometimes you really got to pick your battles. They just killed each other too. Like they've killed each other before and they tried to kill each other again because Suzuki was just punching John Moxie right in the face. So John Moxie took his elbow and just rammed it right into Suzuki's skull. I think they both then literally went, ha 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 like they were street fighter bosses. They just don't give a flubbing damn. There was more of this too because why not? In the sense they started headbutting each other and then they were like, well, this doesn't really seem to be working. So we're going to now just go to the biting. Biting. Imagine if somebody bit you in real life, you'd probably cry. You'll be shocked to hear that eventually Suzuki was busted open, but honestly, it was a horrible cut and made my stomach do backflips. And even after Suzuki was able to apply the choke, Moxie was able to get out of it. He then gave him that super duper high paradigm shift and he got the win in his hometown. As I've already said, yes, this was a little bit abrupt, but everybody loved John Moxley. Again, he had returned to the place where he was born. I enjoyed every single second. It also meant that this week's AEW finished with John Moxley celebrating with his fans and I had an overwhelming feeling of satisfaction and entertainment. And those two things is what every single television show ever is aiming for. So in many ways, this was the best thing AEW could have done coming out of All Out. We built a bunch of new angles. You've got all of these stars. We've got the young up and comers. It's really hard to find fault with it at the minute. You're going to get crazy about that, but I don't care because once again, I'm having a jolly good time. Overall, it's getting it up. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 